Well, hello. Welcome back to the Being Black Pod. I am your host, Camille Smith. If you're new, thank you for tuning in. If you are old, thank you for sticking around. I know that I dropped off the face of the earth back in April and y'all were like, Camille, where are the episodes? And I was like, girl, please. Um, but I am back and I'm going to be consistent. So the podcast is going to look a little bit different this time around. I'm going to be releasing seasons. Uh, think of your favorite Netflix TV show that has 10 episodes. I'm going to be releasing 10 episodes weekly so that I can actually stay consistent and you guys know what to expect. So this is the first episode of 10 for our Being Black and Creating Space season. Um, and the season is really going to be talking to a bunch of different Black creators and creatives making space in the spaces that they find themselves in. So I'm super, super excited, especially since you all know I am creating content now. Um, and who better to start with? One of my favorite content creators. So please welcome Fola, also known as Fola Hantis. She's a Los Angeles-based digital creator, storyteller, and educator, passionate about bridging communities through the promotion of healthy hair care and culturally enriching budget luxurious travel experiences. Um, I can't really pinpoint when I initially started following her, but it was like love at first sight. Everything that she posts, I'm like, ah, love. I, like literally I'll, like, I'll double tap like before the video starts because I already know that I'm going to like it by the end of the video. I like that. <laughs> so it's very, very nice to be able to see people that look like me um, creating content that I really enjoy. And I did like a social media, I'll say like, not even cleanse, but I'll say audit because I was following all these people that did not look like me, which was cool. You know, I knew them, but I was like, ah, like it'd be kind of cool if I saw people, you know, my complexion darker doing stuff, you know, traveling the world. Um, so again, super, super excited. And I love to give people their flowers when I'm able to, um, but to give me and the listeners a point of reference, we are going to start with our four initial questions to kickstart a conversation. So are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. So what does being black mean to you? Oh, I feel like that when you first, when you first talked about this or when I first thought about this, I was like, wow, this is a really big question. I felt like, but I feel like being black at its essence is like resilience personified. Like anytime I think about blackness is like resilience personified. Like we are such powerful people, like bold, audacious in our very being. And also black is like a huge umbrella term. So like it encompasses so many different ethnicities and identities just under what it means to be black. So like for me, I am Nigerian and I'm also like living in America. So I'm also like black American because black in my head is like a overarching umbrella. But then there's mm -hmm. also black live here as well so like when people say black black people aren't a monolith that's like facts because we are polylithic people there's like varying experiences that we all deal with or like culturally experience things differently but um yeah I'm very privileged to move in spaces and dual I guess ex embrace dual identity in that way as both being Nigerian and growing up in America as a black person so yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. It's so funny you said that because I feel like when I first started the podcast, I actually answered these questions because I was like, okay, if I'm going to be asking, you know, a bunch of different people, I should kind of know what my answers are too. And resilience was the first thing that came into my head as well. Um, yeah. And of course, that speaks to historically, I feel like all Black people, and again, we are not a monolith, and that's what I really want to communicate through this podcast. Um, every single type of Black person that falls under that umbrella has had to be resilient historically forever. Um, yeah. So I 100% agree with you. Um, but you kind of mentioned, so you're Nigerian, but you grew up in the States. So when did you kind of realize that you were Black or you potentially could have been different than other people? Yeah, I was thinking about that. And I think it's it's hard for me to pinpoint. I think maybe the first 
thing I can remember is I think I was in maybe first grade or second grade. And like, I feel like as black people, we have to recognize our blackness, even if we don't want to, we have to. So like my name in itself, like black girls have big names. And I feel like my name in itself was different and like just different to people, different and difficult to pronounce on like the American tongue. So I always was shy of it because it made me stand out even if I didn't necessarily want to. And this is me like six, seven. Right. <laughs> like, um, yeah, that's my name. But I remember significantly, like this is like a core memory of like writing my middle name instead, which is Felicia, because it's more common in America than Fola because no one had the name Fola, especially I grew up in the hood. So it's like, I'm not around other Nigerians. I'm just in California in general, there's not large pockets of African communities like there are in different parts of the US. So it was always like, where are you from? As soon as they heard my name and I was like, oh, I have to explain myself. <laughs> not again. <laughs> yeah. so, like that was my first like unveiling of like recognizing who I am to other people. So Okay, so you said that you grew up in the hood. Where Where is that? San Bernardino. I don't know if anybody's familiar, but that's like an hour east of LA. If you're ever, if people were listening to this, you're familiar with San Bernardino, then you know what's up. <laughs> it's, it's not a place where it's like roses. It's not the suburbs. It's not like, you know what I mean? So Right. So how, how was it growing up? 20 some odd years. Um, it was difficult, I would say, like looking back in hindsight, it was difficult, but it was definitely my normal. So I, I didn't know anything else until I moved out of that space. But like in the typical fashion, like losing friends at a very young age, like gang violence, gun violence. Um, it's predominantly like a black and Mexican community. So I never was really I always understood us to be the majority and like other races as the minority. That was just my normal like even growing up but I mean I still experience things like colorism and prejudice like in and outside of the classroom just because I mean outside of like you know whiteness can exist in other spaces and within our own communities by way of like history <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah I was definitely hard I mean in terms of like as a black girl then growing up in the hood like you have to just do more be more and then being dark skin on top of that so it's like all these different varying levels of like identities intermixing within each other it's like you have to recognize that as like how you're just existing in a space so like yeah when you ended up moving how did that change how did your relationship with blackness change because I mean if you're growing up and you feel like you're the majority did you move to an area that you were the minority and were like whoa what's going on yeah definitely definitely culture shock um so like at in San Bernardino I was like I would consider myself like the book girl, like the goody two shoe, whatever, whatever. I wasn't doing too, too much. Like my personality in itself has never really been that, I guess you can say. But um, I was like, academia was where I, how do I want to say it? I think my, I guess my strong suit was academia. So I really like loved learning and doing all that. So I was like the top of my class. I think it was like number six. I was also hey. class president. Like so crazy. My <laughs> yeah. You know, a little too, too. But um, that kind of was my upbringing. And also having, if anybody's listening to this podcast, you know, if you're Nigerian, how Nigerian parents are very hard on you when it comes to academics. So like, I was very sheltered growing up. So like my only ex sense of expression, I guess you can say was through like academics. So um, 
I went to UC Berkeley. That was a college that I went to. So my first like experience outside of San Bernardino was Berkeley, California. And if you are any, any, anybody person or is familiar with Berkeley, it's a very, it's a white institution. First of all, let me even say that to begin with, but a big culture shock in terms of race because it's 1% black people at that school versus like, I'm growing up 50, 50. We're like, half black, half Mexican. And that's what I know. I have maybe like a couple Asian friends and maybe there's like a white girl I know. And then that's it. <laughs> so then going to like Berkeley and all you see is like white and Asian. And then you can barely see anybody who looks like you is definitely like, whoa. And then on top of that, it's like, I'm came from somewhere where I'm used to myself being like the top of my class versus at Berkeley. The norm is everybody's at the top of their class. So like there's definitely seeds of doubt and insecurity and inferiority complexes that arose then. So I think that was more of the change that I've experienced, but also experiencing racism is different <laughs> when it's like coming from people who, you know, have the power to, you know, in general, but a lot of microaggressions, a lot of macroaggressions, um, definitely a jarring experience to say the least, but that was definitely the biggest change. But now that I've traveled, to like different places across the world, I can understand like identity moving and moving through spaces as like a, looking how I look, talking how I talk. I have to be aware of those things anyway. So like now it doesn't really, um, it's not, it doesn't really play a factor too much into like how I think about myself. I just move through the world as I am and that's it. High school Camille, like top of my class, president of the school, like all the teachers, all the professors, they loved me. Like it was like, you know, high five into the hallways type thing. Went to right. Villanova and like realized that everyone was that kid at their university and was like, whoa, <laughs> like, what is going on? And I remember having a conversation with my dad and he was like, yeah, Camille, like just understand like statistically, 50% of people have to be at the bottom of their class. And I'm like, listening, like, okay, well, that's not me. That's never been me. Like, cool. great. Then I got my first exam back and got a 37% and was like, oh. Same. I literally, I had like a meltdown. I was like, what the fuck? Girl, I ran out. Girl, I ran out. I literally called my dad like, I don't know why I thought I was going to be an engineer. Like, this is not for me. And he was like, Camille, like, did you talk to your teacher? No, he just gave me the grade. He knows that I failed. Like, absolutely right. not. <laughs> Oh my God. I've never, I feel like, I, like, you know, what's that, what's that thing that people are talking about right now on TikTok brain altering experience? Like right. that was experience for me. No, right. <laughs> because I was like, oh no. And granted again, like, I think those experiences are definitely beneficial, but I think, you know, coming from an experience of like being a black person, being the top of your class, but still of course, having to put in a lot of effort to even be like respected and like people know that that's your thing. And then you go off to school, that's probably what institution. And then you're like kind of knocked down like that. You're like, oh my goodness. Like all these things are kind of at play. Um, yeah. When you said that, I was like, dang, we all, I realized with TikTok and social media, I've never had a unique experience in my life ever. <laughs> like, oh, y'all think that too? So that happened to you too? Like, um, I can't have one thing for me. No, oh, right. And again, it's like cute that it's like, ah, oh, like we could all like sing Kumbaya together. But also it's like, wow, like I was freaking out when that happened to me. And that's happened to literally everybody else. So, <laughs> huh. um, but my last and final question for you, do you have any advice for your younger self? Yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, no, but like the one thing I wish I can, I wish I can tell my 15 year old self, because I feel like that was such a, 
a defining point in my life at 15. Like I felt like it was me against the world for some reason. But I think the one thing I can tell myself is like, don't stress about it. You'll figure it out. Like you always do. Like you always figure it out. I'm, but it's, it's been 10 years plus now I'm 26. So like at every point in my life where I thought I'm like a very type A person, like I'm going to plan out my life three, one, three, five, 10 year plan. That's me. Like I'm going to do it. And I'm, <laughs> I'm mapping out my life. But then like, there's sometimes, you know, life just, it just life be life in and things pan out how you think they're going to pan out. But I think at the very core of it is like, you just have to have faith in yourself. So I think that's what I would tell myself to just you're like, you'll figure it out. Like you always do. You, you can cry a little bit, but then you're going to figure it out. Like that's going to happen. Figure it out. So, yeah. Wow. We're going to have to compare like our templates for the three, five year plans. Cause <laughs> that's like really, that made me really was- happy. York, living my best life, working for the United Nations, going and living in different parts of Africa. And girl, I didn't know I was going to be an influencer. <laughs> what? I, even two, three years ago, I would I would even be looking at myself like, what do you mean you're a content creator and you do this full time? What? Huh? It, yeah. Let's get into it because <laughs> I want to know. I want to know T. So. You grew up where you grew up. You went to UC Berkeley. You went there. You graduated. Mm -hmm. How did we get to where we are? How did you worked at the United Nations? We just found out. So how did content creating sneak its way in? Yeah. So that was the plan because I had graduated 2018 and I studied political economy. And my concentration was like poverty and social growth in the African diaspora. So I had studied abroad. I went to Barbados. I did London and Paris. Like that was like my thing. Like I was going to, I was going to help countries with economic development, like African diaspora countries, like black countries somehow, some way it was a big daunting idea for me, but like the spaces that I was in at that time felt like it was possible for me. I just had to figure it out. But in 2018, I had did my last, that was my fifth year. So I did my last study abroad that semester spring in Barbados and then I came back um I technically walked the year before so like all of that hurrah stuff it was gone yeah so yeah (laughs) but um later that year my dad actually passed so then I had to a lot of things that I thought I was going to be doing right after I was done with Barbados like in Barbados I was looking at jobs in New York in DC like I wasn't going to stay home for long I was going to be like all right I'm out of here because I usually don't stay home for long anyway there's no point in me kind of coming back to the hood to do much other than to see family and some friends possibly but that was kind of the course of my life during the later part of 2018 different level of sacrifice for me so like for the next four years I stayed home helping my mom with the family business as that's what my mom and dad did. Um, they ran a medical supply company in SoCal, like in Beaumont area. So my dad was like, you know, the brains behind it. My mom was like the manager, like helping on the ground stuff. So my dad would be going back and forth to Nigeria because we also have like property in Nigeria. He gives back to the community out there. So that's kind of the event that kind of like the catalyst of like, you know, domino effect. Um, so instead of like the five-year plan that I had, it was like, okay, now I'm home. And how do I work around this? Um, so I only had my phone because 
at the time I was still going into the office to help my mom, but then I eventually made it so that I could work remotely. So then as I was like doing family business stuff, um, I only had my phone. And then while I was in college, I remembered that people always asked me about my hair, hair care, how I would travel, et cetera, et cetera. So I kind of turned my platform into like a space where I could just like, I guess, a, a means of self-expression in that way. But I didn't really take it seriously because it was like, this was like 2019, 2020. And I was just kind of coming back into myself. You know how anything like grief works. It's just, it takes a lot out of you. So that's kind of the space I was in. And I was using social media as a, a self, like a mode of expression, or I guess you could say. Um, so that's kind of how I started dabbling into it. But I didn't take it seriously enough where I was getting paid or um, learning how to get paid at all. I was kind of like, okay, how can I help people? Like, what can I do in my off time? Because this is draining me. Like the family business is nothing like I wanted to do. Nothing like I planned to do. So that was... Um, my my thought process at the time and then 2020 happened and it was kind of before we realized we were actually in a pandemic like I want to say like January February where like my Instagram took off a little bit and I went from like maybe a thousand two thousand followers to like ten thousand followers and I was like whoa what the hell <laughs> and like what's going on and at during this time I'm still thinking like I want to get a job like I don't know how I'm gonna get a job but my mom is like you have to live your life da -da 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 -da. so I'm like right when I had gotten a job, it was literally taken away from me because the pandemic hit. That was like March. So I was like, okay, well, well what are you going to do? <laughs> We're just going to have to try. We're going to see how this thing is going to go. So that was like March, 2020. I think by May, 2020, my sister was like, you should get on TikTok. And I was like, well, I don't really, really want to get on TikTok. I like it's for kids. Y'all do the dancing stuff, whatever, whatever. You know, the same old, same old. And then I got on TikTok and I, I went to 10K, like the same number of followers I was on on Instagram to TikTok in like two months. And I was like, right. what the hell? Well, okay, let's keep going. Like, <laughs> well, why not? Let's, let's keep trying. I mean, I'm still doing the family business stuff, but I'm, you know, just flirting with content creation and, and influencing right now. So then I think I got my first brand deal. I want to say July of that year. Um, no, I'm lying. February. Of either yeah February of 2020 with my black is beautiful but I think it was like a YouTube video on Instagram something for like $500 mm -hmm. I thought I was like wow that's a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> people get paid for this hold up hold on hold on and then I got my second one I think July with um forgetting the African African pride okay. something like that but anyway long story short that's kind of like the catalyst of what happened with my influencing. And I just kept going and kept going. And then by that, I want to say by the end of November, 2020 or, or something around that time where like, uh, what's that app called? Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. The audio one. Clubhouse is when I started to learn about like just sharing information. I feel like we're just becoming more globalized. So like people were actually sharing behind the scenes of what it means to get paid in this industry, what it looks like. Cause you know, the, Black women, we are just marginalized in every single space that you can think of. Payment, how we get treated, et cetera, et cetera. So it's just like, okay, well, how do I know what my worth is in this industry? And how do I like negotiate for myself? Because I'm I'm gonna think like $500 is a lot of money in this industry, but it's not. At all. So I'm thinking like, oh, wow, $500, no, no, my Meanwhile, people are getting paid $50,000. I'm like- We're off one post. I'm like, yo. Yeah, how do I get it on that? What is that? And like, you know, and just trying to find where I fit in. But I think 
even at its core, like finding, I think the thing that brought me the most joy with this is helping other people and then helping other people who look like me see themselves in like having better relationship with their hair or being able to take, like have that courage to go across whatever border it is and go travel somewhere, wherever they've always been wanting to go. Like, I think that is what gave me the most joy out of it. Cause I'm like, oh, wow. Like people see the value in what I say or like, however that case is. But I just, at the end of the day, I was just like, I was like, wow, like y'all really fuck with me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really, y'all again, me, it's me. <laughs> you yeah. say y'all, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's really cool. And and listening to your story, it definitely does make sense. Like you kind of already had the foundation set in regards to traveling. You already really, really liked that, um, like through study or yeah, through studying abroad and different, you know, aspects. Um, and people were already asking about your hair. So you just kind of put it all together. I think sometimes, or at least like when I started content creating, like everyone kind of like forces you to like niche down. Like that's like kind of like the main piece of advice that people like say but I feel like it used to be considered a hot take but I was like ah like I like want people to like like me so like whatever I end up posting like they're like oh well like Camille posted it you know double tap before the video even finishes um so like similarly like my hair granted I grew up in probably white space my entire life once I went to college everyone was like oh my gosh like what products do you use for wash and goes like you do your own hair like how did you do that and I was like oh like I can just make videos like explaining it since I get the same exact questions like, every single time that y'all ask me stuff. Um, so it's it's nice to hear that. Again, it was like a natural, like it made sense for you to post about stuff like that as opposed to you trying like to go out of your way to find, right. you know, what's the most trendy, what's the most popular like thing to create, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. So you're, you're blowing up basically. You're starting to get some deals. You're like, ah, like this is cool. You know, your Instagram, your TikTok is blowing up. When you, when did you kind of decide like, okay, like I can apply to things like Sephora Squad and like, this is like very feasible for me? Um. Okay. So like I said, I didn't really see myself being an influencer. So I didn't even know that there was things like Sephora Squad until Sephora Squad came out. And I was like, oh, hmm. I talk about hair. I don't really talk about makeup. That was like my thought process. I was like, mm, I don't really talk about makeup like that. Like. I don't see how I fit in here because I don't, I don't, there's not a lot of hair products as in comparison to makeup, um, I should say. But like, I think the last week of applications, I was like, okay, let me just try. Let me just try it. Let me just, whatever. So I did, I applied and I got it. That's the crazy part. I got it. And I was like, wow, I have no idea what this, mind you, I don't, I mean, I watch certain people like certain influencers but I never was really in the I don't know how to really put it into words but yeah I didn't that wasn't my main focus so I think influencing in general was all very new to me because I never really got the background or like the information from other influencers as I was kind of growing up in the space of influencers becoming a career choice or whatever so yeah so then I got on Sephora squad I made the first round I was like what the heck? I didn't even think, I didn't even, girl, I didn't even think I was going to make it. I was like, okay, they, they see me. Okay. whatever. <laughs> and then, um, we went through another round or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, we'll see. I was, I was feeling optimistic, but at the same time I was like, well, I wasn't really going to apply anyway. And then they were like, uh, what do they say when they sent you like 
emails that you can't really talk to you can't really I forget what the word but anyway I couldn't disclose that I got into Sephora Squad when I got the email right. but I was hyped I was like oh my god what huh Da-da-da. but I had no idea what it was gonna be like but when I tell you because now this is my second year being on Sephora Squad but when I tell you that it was a life-changing experience I want to say all of tw- 2021 just, I betted on myself that year I just took chances and risks and I think it led me to where I am now and that's the crazy part of what, like when you were saying, what advice you would give to your younger self, like, don't stress about it. You'll figure it out. Like, yeah, that's true. It's facts. Like, you'll just figure it out. This whole, like, career in itself, like, influencer marketing is so new. It's not even taught in schools yet because it's rapidly changing year by year. But to, like, have taught myself a new skill and then multiple skills on top of that because to be an influencer is to wear multiple hats. But um, it's just amazing to me that I just I don't know that I did those things and I'm an influence like when I say it out loud it sounds crazy to me I'm an influencer huh (laughs) no that's so wow and also I feel like the fact that you decided so late like I feel like for some people that would potentially like be like oh man like she didn't even want it but like the fact that you were like ah like I'm gonna see what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's so cool because like that has happened to me before. Even applying to Villanova, like I had no interest in going. Not okay. People that listen to this, if you go to Villanova, it's not like that. It's just more like there was nothing. The whole like Villanova basketball thing was like really not doing anything for me. Like in the Northeast, like that's a huge thing. College basketball is like huge in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, across like the states, but like here, it's like oh my gosh, like everyone knows everyone's name and the rosters and how many points like they make, but they're like, I just wanted to go to school. (laughs) So right before um, somebody or someone I knew from my high school was like, Oh, like you should apply here. And I'm like, how much does application cost? (laughs) I guess I could just like throw something in there. And then I ended up getting like getting it. Like they paid me to go there. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is cool. Like I can rock with this, but very similar. It's just like, ah, Okay, might as, well, might as well to see what happens. Um, now again, I do have Kwanzaa Bill number, but happy at least that I didn't really have to pay too much uh, right. to go there. Um, but that's awesome. So now you're on support squad for the second year, which is dope. I did not know that. I, I love your natural hair content. So, as someone a part of the support squad, like I know that now they're trying to have more like natural hair products. Like, I'm pretty sure like Bread Beauty Supply sold at like Sephora, and like, of course, like a few others. like how were you able to ensure that you still were creating content that you wanted to since like before you said like you weren't too, too much into like makeup content? Yeah. So the way that Sephora squad usually happens is like they'll um, via the contract, let you know that this is how much you get paid for the year, whatever the case is. Um, But that is not what I got paid, but like in a good way, I I made a lot more than that based like, um, they call them like incremental partnerships. So like add-ons basically, like a brand wants to do something, another campaign on top of that, or I don't know, things come up and they're like, do you want to be a part of this campaign? So it's like a, it's not necessarily official on your contract, but they can be, and an addendum is added so that they can put it on afterwards. So I just made sure like whenever I got um, more incremental partnerships, it aligned with what I was already talking about. Like they're asking me to talk about eye cream when I know I don't use eye cream. I'm not going to talk about eye cream. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, but it was great because there was always different opportunities. But whenever there was something that made sense for me and my branding, I just made sure to advocate for myself, like with 
you know, whoever was my point of contact, like we were real, real good. Like if anybody, oh, well, I don't know if anybody would be fine to support squad, but she's no longer in the same position she was now. She like leveled up. But my girl, Stephanie, we was locked in. Like that was my home girl. Like we would talk, we would get on um, Zoom together. We would, we would discuss. So I feel like just being a personable person and like having great relationships and establishing those with people that you talk to within the industry at all times is always going to be beneficial for you. So that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> No, that's so cool. Um, uh, again, I mentioned earlier, I love giving people their flowers, but like, there's like, there's nothing like being able to see someone again that like looks like you and like does like has a representation that like you want and just like thriving. And I feel like even through this conversation, like I already like liked your content and like I felt I liked you as a person. Of course, this is our first time technically meeting, but still <laughs> liked you as a person. But like now to like have more of a context of like you as an individual, where you came from, the things that you've gone through, like uh, stuff like that just warms my heart. I'm just so happy. But let me stop being sappy. <laughs> um, I really, really appreciate you coming on. And we do something at the end of our podcast episodes called the lightning round. So basically, I'm going to ask you five questions. It's going to be like a this or that. Try not to put thought into it. If you want to explain your answer after, you most definitely can, but you don't have to. Okay. Are you ready? I'm scared, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First, uh, wash and goes or braids? Braids. Catching flights or catching feelings? Oh, flights, always. <laughs> summer fashion or winter fashion? Ooh, summer. Okay. Instagram or TikTok? TikTok. Wow, that was so quick. All-inclusive resorts or local stays? Local stays. My girl. I feel like <laughs> it's so funny because whenever I make the questions, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if they're going to end up picking the ones that I would pick. And we did. <laughs> um, no, again, I really appreciate you taking time to talk with me. Um, I know this is going to be beneficial to our listeners. It was definitely beneficial to me just to be able to understand you more as a person. Um, and I just, I don't know. I just be so proud of people. Like, I just hope that you like continue to prosper, get all the contracts that you want. Um, and just, I hope too, that as like a more type A person, like that, even though content creating is still very new, that you're able to create a, a three to five to 10 year plan that you feel comfortable with, that still is able to fluctuate with how <laughs> influencing fluctuates. Yeah. So I do Maybe. hope and wish that upon you. Um yeah. Because I know that after, I mean, after school, I was again at a class 2020 grad and I was like, a pandemic? I didn't, I didn't pencil this in. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, wasn't totally sure what to do, but I was at least happy Like my job was, I guess, quote unquote, considered like, um, what was the word? Essential? They love that word. They love <laughs> that word. Um, so my job wasn't affected, but still like transitioning into like the workforce after graduation like I met like two people in the span of like six months and then everyone started coming back in 2021 and I was like oh hey how's everyone doing what's going on no longer know how to socialize you're like mm, okay get no me out of here way. and I think I am a very social person but I got so awkward like there was a six-month period that I like did not know how to small talk mm -hmm. like the skill just like left yeah no it was gone I was like <sighs> almost I was like, you know what? I kind of like it here. Like, maybe we should go back to a, uh, what was they calling it again? Quarantine. Quarantine. <laughs> Not go back to a quarantine. That was kind of nice. We should do that again. Um, but to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, again, Bola, do you actually have anything that you want to tell the listeners about? 
Oh, yeah. So I have a Bali trip happening soon this year. So um, if you follow me, you should follow me, first of all. Bolahontas, everything. TikTok, YouTube, Pinterest, Instagram. Yeah. Um, but I'm hosting a trip to Bali with Trova Trip. And it's going to be a seven-day trip. You know, you know, Bali, our money stretches. So, like, it's, there's a lot of bang for your buck when you get there. But if you would like to come... Um, I am having a discount promo right now where you get about almost $300 off the initial price. So you could definitely tap in. The link is in my bio, I'm sure. But I'm also going to be promoting it a lot more. So you'll see it on my feed, on TikTok, um, on Instagram. But I'm excited to see many, many beautiful faces in Bali with me. I mean, if if it don't happen, I'm still going to Bali. So if you want to pull up, you can pull up. But, she uh, says, I'm going regardless. So I'll catch you on there. <laughs> but yeah. That's what I wanted to promote if I'm going to do a little shameless, you know, whatever the yeah. case is. Oh, yeah. I really want to go so bad. When is it again? July 21st to the 27th, I believe. If my parents listen, they're going to be like, Camille, are you serious? And I'm like, please, everything works out for me. Did you have you seen those TikToks? And it's like everything works out for me the way it's supposed to. It's like an affirmation <laughs> thing. I really be saying that. And I really okay. feel like. Literally, I feel like once I had that that mind shift in 2020 where I was just like let go, like being less of a type A person and kind of just letting life take its course, it's worked out. Right. It's, I mean, obviously I'm putting in the work, but it worked out. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Um, again, listeners, I appreciate you. Again, if you're new, I appreciate you tuning in. If you're old, thank you for sticking around. If you got to this point, please rate the podcast. That would make me so, so happy. It helps people discover us. Um, follow us on the Being Black Pod. Follow Ola. Follow me at I'm Camille Smith on everything. Uh, I forgot the order you did, but Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and YouTube as well. <laughs> um, and I'll catch y'all next week with another beautiful creator. Bye. Bye.